Tizo stands for titanium dioxide and zinc oxide. In other words, their commitment to mineral sun protection is right in the name. Tizo is known for having a unique line of all mineral sunscreens with different textures and finishes that cater to every skin type and tone. Sunscreen application may seem burdensome, but with Tizo, it doesn't have to be. Their sunscreens have been meticulously crafted to seamlessly fit into your daily routine. Whether it is saving a step in the morning with an SPF that doubles as a makeup primer or giving your skin a glow before running errands, Tizo has you covered. All Tizo sun protection formulas have broad spectrum protection and are 100% free of chemical sunscreens, dyes, parabens, gluten, preservatives, fragrances, and phthalates. Check out Tizo's mineral sunscreens and so much more at TizoSkin.com. That's T-I-Z-O Skin.com. Shop with code LISTEN10 to receive 10% off your first order. This message is intended as a reminder that we are not licensed professionals, not psychiatrists or psychologists. If you have a serious problem, please seek professional help. The National Suicide Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. Mic check one, two. Mic check one, two. Hearing all these letters read aloud by damsels not in distress. Host came to impress. Bitch, check your DMs. This is hot the press. Hi, Chloe. Hello. Your outfits always look very nice. I was just thinking how I hate all of my clothes. I was just thinking um, that we both look very business oriented today because I assume we both came from doing things that were related to our jobs. Yeah. I always throw these clothes. My friends make fun of me because I don't necessarily, I'm going to give myself away, but I don't necessarily need these glasses. I do have trouble when I'm driving seeing like, I guess it's, I'm nearsighted because I have trouble seeing. Yeah, I have horrible eyesight. Yeah. Um, Well, a lot of my friends do too. And they like, are like, they say that I'm an imposter because I throw them (laughs) off and they're very low prescription, but some days they make me feel better about myself, okay? I wasn't necessarily thinking <laughs> about makeup today, so that's why the glasses are on. I am totally blind without contact lenses, so. Really? I kind of hate you, but uh, yeah. No, yeah, I'm 100% blind without um, contact lenses. There's a really funny photo of me where I was trying to help Brian um, move, but I had a like Skype call before, and it was actually with Hannah. And um, I didn't have my contact lenses or my glasses, the only thing that I had were my prescription sunglasses. So I was just like in the corner, like fully in a house, like not outside whatsoever, wearing my prescription sunglasses, because that was the only thing that um, would allow me to see. Yeah, I mean, I can't relate on that. I have bad hearing. I actually have, um, I don't talk about this often, but I have, it's called tinnitus or tinnitus, as many people call it. Um, and it's like a small, like ringing in your ear. So that was like, bothersome for me you've told me this before yeah yeah but anyone that struggles with that it's really hard so it's me I'm always down for a group on that (laughs) okay yeah good for you Chloe you know who else has it is Gerard Butler wow shoot your shot I'm obsessed with what if I messaged what if I jammed him (laughs) it's like that's how I came on to him like I'm all about shooting your shot the worst people can say is no like I too have tinnitus well, it's funny that we, I went to get drinks with Hannah, who we had on, Hannah Dickinson, when she was in LA, and she said that her and her friend were at, like, a restaurant and saw him, and he had, like, all these girls around him, and she's like, I don't know if I was making this up or not, but, like, she felt like he kept, like, looking at, like, her and her friend, and then she He needed up, more girls? He didn't have enough around him? Okay, well, because she looked it up, and he had announced his separation the day before. I think he was with someone, like, long-term. Oh, wow. So Poor guy. This is the time to shoot my shot. And he's, I believe he's probably close to 60, but you know what? It's never too late. <laughs> it's never too late. So how are you? What have you been up to? Um, let me just tell you, and I would love some insight on this if anyone is listening and has some insight. I have been falling a lot. Um, just like I just fall. And like, I, I think part of it is that I've been going on hikes more frequently. Yeah. Don't come for me, Chloe. And, um, I don't know if it's like the rocks getting in my way or like some dirty paths that, you know, I'm like tripping all over, but I had one particularly tragic fall, um, that like 
I didn't know at the time that I fell was a big deal. So I just went to sleep because I was like, oh, like, ow, this hurt. But like, I don't have time to deal with this. So I'm going to go to bed. You fell and then just like took a nap right there. (laughs) No, no. Like I went to bed because I was on my way to bed and I fell. (laughs) And um, then I woke up and had blood all over my face. And if you look at my lip, oh no yeah I have lipstick on it but like my lip is like thoroughly messed up and like it hurts to eat um or yeah like do anything uh yeah so if anybody knows like why somebody would increase uh increasingly fall please let me know well I'm not a doctor but um I would say maybe check that out thank you Chloe I feel like we're all really publicly coming out with our ailments today I admitted that I have and you're just talking yeah. about how you're falling all the time so I don't know if we have any doctors listening first of all please let us know what's wrong with us great first of all if you're hot and single and a man let me know and then let us know what's wrong with us yeah but what's going on with you Chloe um I am a little bit of a depresso espresso um lately and I don't know why I think I And Jess, we talk about this a lot, but our personalities are very different and that you are very patient and kind and all of those (laughs) above things. And I have a million ideas a million times a day and I just want things to go really, really fast. But yeah, I think I've just been feeling overwhelmed with several areas of my life and that things aren't moving as fast as I want them to be. And I'm not getting to places where I want to be as fast. And I think the combination of that and waking up in my apartment every day with not a lot of places to go is not yeah. So yeah, I came, I'm, I came here to say that with no positive thing to say after it. Like, I'm going to do this, this, and this. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll try meditating or I'll just keep throwing stuff at the wall to see if it sticks. But no and like get outside you know like start switching up the environment I know like things are more open in LA so you could even like try working outside at like a coffee shop or something I don't know if it's like an actual thing but like even in a park or just like trying to switch up the environment I know that like sometimes you need a monitor and everything but even if like I don't know there is some work that you can do just on your laptop like just to try to like change where you are because I do feel like so many people right now in quarantine like are just getting so sick of the space that um it's hard to like maintain your vision and like realize that you will come out of this whole time period and like um you know just try not to be so hard on yourself for like not being exactly where you want to be where you are because I know that they talk about this a lot um but like even this feeling right now of feeling like you're not where you are is part of your path and like feeling this way is a good thing because it's going to motivate you to get to where you want to be and like if you were happy with where you are right now like that would be the problem because then you can't progress so just like remember that all of these things are helping you to get to where you want to be it's a very good point this is why I have you (laughs) but you're right I mean I think just getting outside is a good step and I went on a walk today because my coworker was like you're just off like go on a walk and get coffee but then I put on my songs that make me cry playlists on Spotify because it's like, oh, I know, but you know, when you just are crying and you're like, this is a good one. I'm going to like ride it out for a little bit. Well, don't, I mean, oh my God, I need to stop talking about this book, Defining Decades, but they have a girl on there who like was really attached to her iPod because she had playlists on there that allowed her to like feel all her feelings. And they were saying that like, using that iPod was a crutch because she should be allowing herself to have all those feelings like in her daily life and express those feelings that she's having towards other people. So Mm -hmm. I don't think you're using it as a crutch, but I'm just saying like, you don't need your playlists to um, feel all your feelings. Well, speaking of someone who said that they've been doing their fair share of crying in quarantine, we have an amazing lady on today. So today we are here with Lily Michelle, who is a comedian, host of the Sad Tits podcast, and a professional tweeter. Hi! <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Lily. Thanks for having me. Of course. So you're in New York right now. Yes. And how has that been during the, like, just during the pandemic for the comedy scene there? Tell us all about it. Okay, so... 
in, it started March and I was in New York from March until early May. And then in May, I decided to go home to my parents in California because I was crying minimum seven times a day. So they were like, hey, leave your apartment and come stay with us. And I was like, for sure, you might die. And they're like, it's okay. And I was like, perfect. <laughs> so I went home. And then also like my dogs are there and like, they're such a big source of happiness for me. So I was like, what kind of dogs? I have two. Well, I have one and my brother has one and we both gave them to our parents because we can't take care of them. <laughs> um, one, so Lana is my brother's dog and she's a golden retriever mixed with a corgi. So she so looks pretty much like a golden, except for when she lies on her back and her ears go up and you're like, <laughs> oh, she's corgi in her. <laughs> and then my dog is a Morky Poo. So it's a Maltese Rocky Poodle. She just looks like a little teddy bear. She's so cute. I'm a huge poodle person, so I'm, I'm going to look for pics. Um, I have two miniature poodles. I had one died. Now I have one. Do you think this is cute? My friends think it looks creepy, but it's a poodle. Um, oh, I'm, no, I'm really into that sort of thing. Hold on. Let me show you. Wait, what is that? Is that like a pa- like a thing to like put on papers? or? Well, it's just a little statue. It's just, that I it's have. just the face. It's literally my dog on a pillow. I love that. See, I love that. <laughs> um, I have a cat, so I can't contribute to this the show and tell. But okay, cats are the devil, but don't worry about it. <laughs> How do you like the thing with cats? Is that when I look into their eyes, I feel like they can read my mind, and then in the mornings when I'm asleep, they'll just walk on my face. No, like, yeah. Lick me gently and wake me up like my dog does. Just fully asshole on my face. It just, and you're okay with that. And you like that? I, I'm not saying I'm okay with it. I just love him. So <laughs> he's like another toxic man in my life. But yeah, on the Zoom calls, like, like how you guys were just show and telling, like on the Zoom calls, his show and tell is like, hey, you guys want to like see my asshole? And my professional team is like, no, we're, we're good. Thank you. <laughs> long have you had your cat he's seven I've had him seven years so he's he's around I mean I'm like you know how all cat owners are like they're just like dogs to like me like make up for them I mean he's not just like a dog but he did grow up with a dog so he is a little more friendly but I will say he's been biting a lot recently like people come over and they're like your cat just bit me and I was like well I can't train him so I don't know what to tell you like (laughs) okay this is kind of gonna come off or do you think because you're home more that he's upset yeah for sure like I think he's like what what are you doing why are you crying and like watching Twilight again like please get out of my face (laughs) cats like really I think dogs hate when you leave the house and cats love it they're just like bye (laughs) for sure he he knows something's up with me being around all the time but yeah I was just telling Lauren before you came on I had a nice little depression cry earlier and you said it was a little depressing for you and being in New York by yourself like are you living by yourself or yeah so I before I went to my parents place I was living with these two guys and I had a windowless room and um, I would literally make my bed in the morning just fully crying. And I was like, it's okay. This is uh, life. And then I came back and my parents were like, we need to move out. So now I live alone. But at the time, living with these two guys, and they would like cook dinner together, like listen to music together, watch movies together. And it was just like, and then I was there and I would, I'd be like, hey guys, what's up? And they'd be like, hey. Well, yeah, this is, we're, we're all we have right now, and this is really hurtful. Um, can I hug you? <laughs> they were like, absolutely not. <laughs> so they, they hated me so much, and I, I couldn't have tried harder with them. I was like, guys, I cleaned the entire apartment, and they, like, never noticed, didn't care. It was just... And that's probably why I love them so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's why I lived with them for seven. <laughs> I, I'll die for them. You know, I'd kill. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's funny. Well, that's, I was going to ask, so did you move to New York to kind of get more involved in the comedy scene? Because it's interesting that your parents are in California, but you, so you decided to go to New York for... Yeah, so my parents are in Northern California. They're from Palo Alto. Um, iconically, Dana Donnelly and I went to the same high school, so oh, wow. <laughs> we had her on. She was on one of our first episodes. 
I know. I, that's why I said it because I, I knew you guys had an episode with her. But yeah, so we went to the same high school and I actually went to college in New York. So I came here for NYU and then kind of just stayed and been a living house. <laughs> I'm saying it's been good and bad and, you know, but it definitely like changes who you are as a comic. Because I feel like if you you went to LA, you're a different kind of breed of comic you're so funny and everything but like you're a different breed you know yeah I mean yeah I mean can you talk about that a little bit more because it's interesting that like I'm in the comedy scene out here but it just seems like New York is so much more massive and full of different opportunities for comedians yeah New York there's multiple scenes in the New York comedy scene which is funny because it's like the alt scene is really big and then the club scene in New York is divided based on the club that you're at the most. So like New York comedy club comics are different than comedy seller comics and different than stand comics and stand up New York comics. Like they're all different. There's some overlap. There's also comics that do every club because they're so funny, like Joe List, Dan Soder, Jessica Kirsten, Bonnie McFarlane. But it's like you still, there is a scene at each club and those are like the club comics. And then you come to like Brooklyn and it's like the alt scene. And then the alt scene is divided on like what areas of Brooklyn. So there's like the Bushwick scene, the Williamsburg scene, the Bed-Stuy, like there's so many. And again, there's crossover, but it's like, there's, so it's really big. Um, and I think in order to be seen or noticed, you have to just do all of the scenes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And is that what you felt like you were doing like before quarantine, just kind of like frequenting open mics or? Yeah. I mean, I've always, I've, been doing mics for a while I uh I know I've been a part of a lot of different scenes in comedy because I used to live with a couple comics before I did comedy and they kind of introduced me to some people and um so I I know a lot of people in New York I know a lot of comics in New York and um you know mics mics everybody should do all the time so I you know I do them when I when I can when I'm not doing shows and stuff but um you know I think it's just going to everything that you can. Yeah. So are you doing the Zoom, like, mics at this point? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even, like, going near them. Well, I was just going to say, like, the open mics go for, like, so long, too, in L.A. at least. Like, it's just, like, three hours, and then you get, like, five minutes at the end. Yeah. And I'm just, like, like, I wish I was more established. Yeah. You yeah. spend two hours at a mic for three minutes. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, no, I haven't touched the Zoom ones either. Is it just not like? It's, I just feel um, like, what are you doing? You know, like, what are you doing at this point? Like, I've done outdoor comedy shows and they're great. And they definitely scratch that itch of like, I haven't done comedy in a while. But you're not working towards getting on one of like the Knitting Factory or Brown Privilege or any of these big shows. You're not working to send a tape to like, you're basically doing it for yourself at that point. And it's like, I'd rather be working on, this is a great time to write. So let's all be writing. Like there's other mm-hmm. things that you can do to improve your skills. So to me, it's like Zoom comedy is like, I've done a couple of them and it's just not for me. I don't know. And that's how I felt about the podcast. And quite honestly, I'm sure Lauren, like you too, like if you, if it were regular times, like I'm sure you had a lot of things going on with like your film and your short festival. So you were able to like be my co-host and do this. But I was like, this is something I've thought about doing for so long. And it's like, I might as well do it now while people are home. It's kind of easier too to get people like on Zoom to like do interviews. And it's not like, okay, tell me like seven jokes in five minutes. Like, it's just like, just come on here. And like, you know, you can do kind of like a deeper dive in people's background, which is nice. That's the thing. Like, I think people now, instead of doing like comedy, they're doing podcasts, which is kind of cool. Yeah. It is cool. I will say I'm guilty of like not really listening to a lot of podcasts though, even though I'm like putting mine out being like, listen, listen, listen. I feel like I'm not like diving into all the ones that I want to. I know. And the thing for me too, is like, I don't listen to that many podcasts, but it's like kind of intimidating to get into a podcast because there's like so many and you don't really know where to start. But like, what have you found is like, kind of like your sweet spot or like, because I know, like, your Twitter's very popular. Like, what kind of things you kind of frequent in the comedy world? Yeah, it's interesting because the, there was this, this, like, old way of doing comedy, which was, like, open mics, you grind, you grind for 10 years, and then you get yeah. your spot on, like, uh, Letterman or something, and then you're a comic, and then you do regular spots, and then maybe you get a movie or something. 
and that's just not the way comedy works anymore and I think stand-up is kind of becoming more online like people are posting their TikToks of their stand-up sets like my friend Luke Tuma within a year became like super popular on Instagram because he was posting his stand-up clips which is something that like Schultz started doing you know like there's so people like Schultz and like Hannah Burner and all these people are kind of revolutionizing the way that we do stand up and do comedy and also the way that we like consume it because like as a comic if I'm at a comedy club or at a show or something I'm probably not listening to the person on stage unless they're my friend or unless I really want to see their set I'm not listening but if I come across your stand-up clip on like while I'm scrolling through TikTok I'm gonna watch a little bit of it like you're much more engaged because you're it's in the palm of your hand rather than being like at a venue where you have 10 of your friends like right next to you and you're all just chatting and for me it was twitter was kind of the way that i kind of like expressed myself like if i'm in a group of like 10 people i'm not the loudest i kind of just stay quiet if there's someone that's taking the mic and like talking the most i kind of let them do their thing but that doesn't mean that i don't have you know, stuff to say. So I kind of just started writing them in my notes and then I started tweeting them and then slowly but surely people started liking them. And, and that's kind of how, you know, that grew for me. And I don't really know what that means in the future, but hopefully it means a writing job. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that but I definitely don't know if I, like I was telling you guys earlier that like, I love my podcast, but at the same time, I'm not, I don't know if I'm a podcast person I don't know if I'm a personality like that I might just be a person that's behind the screen just like writing little funny jokes and you know letting someone else shine well that's but, I feel like you get like so vulnerable in your tweets and it's like interesting we talk about this all the time since I'm like doing this and like being vulnerable with my dating life and so like I feel like do you have the extra layer of like like I know you talk about like your family a lot and like just like the cultural influences on that like does your family have like access to your comedy, like your tweets or your podcast or anything like that? Um, they definitely do. And my dad is in the tech world and knows how to Google, you know, like it's not like, and there's no, it's not like they don't speak English. They're both very soon. They came here for college. So they, it's kind of a don't ask, don't tell policy with my parents. And I'm really happy that we have that because if they ever quoted one of my tweets or brought up something, I think I would be like, so like upset because I don't, mm -hmm. and I always tell them that like jokes are just jokes. Like, don't worry about stuff like that. But I also don't want them to know that I suck my own kid at a party, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you think about that, that, that was like your best party trick or something like that. Was like <laughs> <laughs> I, I forgot that I did it. I don't even know why I did it. And then my friends were like, the next day we woke up, we were upstate and they were like, yo, you sucked your own tit last night. And I was like, oh, fuck, yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> but my parents, so I used to have this clip of my stand up online and um, I have a couple incest jokes in there. And my parents found that clip and they watched it. They decided to watch it together. <laughs> They put it on the big screen and they watched it together, which is my true nightmare. And um, and then after that moment, they were kind of, they we got into a little bit of a fight, and I think that's when they realized, okay, like we can't we can't like look at her comedy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like over the years, have you just like in terms of like censoring yourself, or are you just kind of like this is my comedy and like people will well, accept it? I so I grew up in like a Persian household, so mm -hmm. you know like I have tattoos and stuff and that's really not acceptable in my family or in like most Persian families. It's really, really not. So I think once I broke that barrier, I was just like, Oh, I don't give a shit anymore. And yeah. so I kind of just like let go of that because I was like, you know what, if you truly love me and care about me, then that wouldn't be something that bothered you. And I had the same, I've had multiple guys not be like, be kind of like uninterested or I had one guy, like the toxic guy that I always tweet about he is also a comic and he's like people know that it's about me like what do you say and it's like well stop being toxic like I don't know how to tell you that I'm literally like telling you to stop being toxic um but he he would call me and like it was a very abusive relationship and he would like yell at me a lot and he was like oh take that fucking tweet down like and it was just like 
you know what? Like I'd rather have, you know, like Twitter and like the people that I can talk to and the way that I can like vent and stuff rather than this asshole guy that's going to fucking treat me like shit no matter what I do. So yeah, I can right. like, if it's gotten yeah. 44 retweets, it's not getting taken down. It's already on a roll right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's just like fucking ridiculous that like, they're so fragile that like, if I'm, I'm not adding anybody in my tweets. I'm not attacking anybody in my tweets. It's literally about me most of the time. And if, if I'm talking about a toxic guy and you're like, oh shit, that's about me. Instead of calling me and being even more toxic, why don't you just take a moment and be like, oh, maybe I upset the person that I'm dating. Maybe I should, you know, backtrack a little bit and like think about my actions instead of fucking attacking me for something being like, you know, like he's cheated on me or he dated another girl while we were dating or he left me for someone 15 years younger than him, you know, like he would just get so mad over things that it's like, well, you're toxic. I don't know how else to tell you this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like you won't go to therapy. So here so here's your therapy. You need yeah. to look at your actions. Like. Comment and understand that you're the problem. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> well, because you also had the tweet that was like, um, being a Muslim who drinks like and like with a dad who golfs on Sundays, like relationship. Yeah. I was wondering, have you watched Rami? Oh yeah. I love Rami. Um he's someone that's always been great to me and like um yeah it's a great show I love that show and you know it's very I I've cried a lot while watching Rami because of mm-hmm. how similar it is to my life so yeah. yeah well it's interesting because you were talking about like the different forms that comedy is taking and that's like sort of one of them right like these 20 minutes like solely comedic episodes it used to be like you get a half hour show or you get like a special and now you have like the 20 minute episodes and I was just thinking like how great of a way to like bridge the cultural barriers that we haven't talked about, like with comedy and talking about it in like this modern dating world that we have today. Yeah. It's interesting because like dating for, I was talking to my friend about the state because she like went on a date with a Pakistani guy and like things were a little bit like, no, she's white and she wasn't kind of used to it. Or like, she was like, he's kind of awkward. And I'm like, you have to understand that like, as a brown person, we didn't get to date like you guys got to date. I didn't Mm -hmm. get a first kiss when I was 12 because I was told that was wrong. Uh, I didn't get to have like a fake boyfriend where I'd go to the movies and both of our parents would be there and it would be supervised. That was never on the table for me. So I didn't actually date until I was like 21, 22. And that's only because I I left my home. So Mm -hmm. like dating for me was never like something I was comfortable with. And I I think a lot of people that grew up in like a third world household, even though they're in America, it's, it's hard for us because we're, you know, going to school with all these kids that get to do whatever the fuck that they want, but we don't, we, we have to go home. We have to do things. We have to be at home on Fridays. We have to, you know, like, you know, our, our families are really the central point and our childhood and those experiences are not so having you know trying to balance that was always very difficult and you know dating wasn't you know ever something I thought about because I couldn't and when I did have a crush or something it wasn't it 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 wasn't something I could explore yeah and how do you think that your perception of dating changed or is different even now like from starting when you were 21 Um, I think I'm a little bit more free because Mm -hmm. when I started, when I was 21, 22, every guy was a potential husband, you know, Mm -hmm. I was just like, oh, this guy's the one. Okay. This is my husband. Like it was never, I was never just dating for, to have a good night, good one night, good two weeks, whatever it was. It was always a, this is a forever thing. (laughs) And then I wouldn't date anyone. And I still have this issue where I can't, I've never called someone my boyfriend. I've dated someone for years, for nine months to a whole year to two years. I've dated guys for that long and I've never called them my boyfriend because to me, if you're my boyfriend, you meet my family, you meet my entire family and you have to abide by certain things. So it's like, that's always been kind of like difficult for me even now because I can't call someone my boyfriend. I can't call, like I can't tell my mom who I'm dating. 
because it's a bigger thing. The whole family, as soon as I tell my mom, she's a big gossip as most <laughs> Muslim moms are. And they're going to tell all the other moms. It's going to spread to all of it. Like, it's just, it's too much. So, yeah. and like when I was 20 to 21, it was like, oh, this guy that I'm going on one date with is going to be my husband. And now it's like, you can I be sleeping at my house every day this week and you are not my husband. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, do you feel like there's a lot of pressure, like more pressure too, like in terms of like marriage from your parents or like, do you think it's kind of like, gotten better over the years or talk about that a little bit yeah I mean with marriage it's um my parents don't like divorce and my aunt who's now getting divorced it's like I call my mom and she's like well, did you hear the news like it's like such a big gossip thing because it's so wrong to do that in like this older middle eastern muslim way of living so to me it's like if I get married to you like in my head, and I know it's fucked up, but in my head, it's like going to be really hard to divorce you. Like, I don't want to get to that point with someone. So I'm going to be really picky about who I want to marry because I can't just willy nilly divorce. It's going to be a whole family affair. It's going to be like, I'm going to be like a red A on my chest. It's going to be really bad for, you know, that's how it's perceived. And I need to change the way that I see that. And I think Muslims and the Muslim community also need to change the way that they see that because I, it's something that's so uh, ingrained in us to like, once you marry, you marry for life. And my mom always said to me, she was like, the biggest decision you'll ever make is who you marry because it's for life. Mm. That story about your mom and your aunt reminds me of that Broad City episode where like Abby calls her high school friend for weed. And the, like, it's like this girl, who's like a mom now. And she's like, so irresponsible and she like hangs up and takes like an antidepressant with like chardonnay at noon it's like you know like it's like oh she has so many problems but you're like mom like it might also be good for you to consider divorce too (laughs) yeah no it's truly it's the catch-22 of like being a mom and stuff but you just like don't understand how like hypocritical you are I think when you're a mom you're like so judgmental but then like you're also doing fucked up shit but you like excuse it in your head so technically they're not on the same level even if they are yeah yeah well, it's almost, like, impossible, too, to, like, explain to your parents the ways in which, like, men are capable of screwing women over, like, these days. Like, like I feel like my parents, they've gotten better at, like, the, like, oh, are you seeing anyone? Are you seeing anyone? And I've literally just started to tell them, like, the heinous things that, like, like they were, like, what about that one guy? I'm, like, oh, yeah, he, like, literally ghosted me after two weeks with, like, zero explanation and, like, let his best friend who's a girl sleep in his bed. And they're, like, okay, like, okay, we're not talking to him anymore. I was like, nope, we sure aren't. Like, It's hard, though, to open up to your parents about it, because, like, in this weird way, you kind of feel, like, for me, it's like, well, they're ghosting me, like, there's something wrong with me, mm-hmm. you know, like, that's something that, oh, I had to get over, too, instead of being like, oh, they're an asshole, like, right. and so, like, I don't tell my parents about it, also, because, like, I don't know if your parents are like this, but if I tell my mom something, like, she'll bring it up for the rest of my life. So if I'm like, I'm dating this guy, John, she'll be like, like until I'm 70, she'll be like, how's John? No, I'm not telling them until I'm engaged next time. I swear to God, like, it's just not. (laughs) No, but I think it's so interesting what you said about divorce, because I feel the same way about it. But like, as a child of divorce, like, I do not want to go through what my parents went through, because like, it was so horrible, like for the people who have to deal with the repercussions of it. Um, And like, I've been dating my boyfriend for five years. So people like ask me all the time, like, when are you getting engaged? What are you getting engaged? And for me, it's like, I can't even like go there or like think there because like, it still feels like such a commitment and still feels like, um, I just think about the repercussions like all the time. Yeah. That's what's so annoying about like those types of questions. And I'm sure you get annoyed with it too, Lauren. It's just like, I don't know, like maybe like, what if I don't want to get married? Like, is that an acceptable answer? Like, it's not, trust me, never, nobody takes that one. (laughs) (laughs) It's never ending because it's like, when are you getting a boyfriend? You get a boyfriend. When are you getting engaged? You get engaged. Okay. When are you having babies? Like, it's just never ending. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, now I just have to do things for me because this is no matter what you guys are trying to live through me in this weird way. And it's forcing me to like, move my life faster than what I want it to. Like, I don't know. I was like, Kardashian too. Like she literally does whatever she wants and is so happy and hot and 
who gives a shit you know and scott disick is so obsessed with her after all these years (laughs) but no it's truly i feel like my married my one married friend and i love her but oh my god she's like so fascinated with like my life and my dating life and like I feel like that just like get like I give her all the tea on dating and she (laughs) said what did she say one time this is like pre-covid but she was like yeah you need to get married because like I want to do another bachelorette party and I was like girl like I'll go to Vegas with you like I don't need (laughs) (laughs) a regular party I don't need to have a stash that says bride to be like we could just have a party (laughs) I'll throw up in the limo okay I'll get down like I have the same thing though I have like a couple like married uh family friends and stuff and they're just like how's dating in New York like they think it's this extravagant thing and it's like I cry a lot like I don't know what to tell you not glamorous especially now during COVID everything is crazy yeah it's just I think they're just trying to like they're bored you know like Mm -hmm. the healthier the relationship the more bored you are and um it's just I think they're bored and they're they love whoever they're with but they just want the excitement to be like oh oh okay and then they're like okay I'm good (laughs) oh my god I love that quote that the healthier the healthier the relationship the more bored you are because it's like I'll talk to my therapist all the time about these like tumultuous relationships and she's like you're confusing the drama with like love like you guys are not like (laughs) I do the same thing I do the exact same thing because there was like a guy that was so into me so sweet to me and I was so uninterested <laughs> I was like Chris what's wrong with you like fucking spice it up a little bit like I just I need I need a little bit of drama but not too much I was literally just talking to Lauren about this because I went on my fourth date with this guy last night and I literally just walked around and cried today because I was like you just don't want to be loved. Like yeah. this guy is so nice to you. He's checking all the boxes and like, it's still not good enough for you. But like, it's just not like a spark. Like you can't like force that. And it's like, I'm 29 now. I've waited long enough. Like I actually want to be like interested in the person that I'm with. Like, I don't want to settle. Yeah. And the thing is like, I, it's the same thing. It's like, I don't like, I want a boyfriend. I want to be in a relationship, but I don't just want it. Like I want it with someone that I'm like in love, like crazy about, like, that's what I want. And like, it's just so hard to come by those. And then like, you realize why people keep going back to their exes. You're like, oh yeah. Cause you had that thing that like, we're all looking for. <laughs> okay, this all being said, though, I just finished reading Defining Decades, which is all about, like, I think I talked about this, but, like, finding your path in your 20s and, um, like, making sure that the people that you're dating are, like, worth your time and, like, to not waste your time on people who you could never see yourself with because, like, you should be, um, like, taking things seriously in your 20s. Like, don't waste them, basically, so that you're more prepared when you get into your 30s. So the thing that they said that was most important in, like, a partner was compatibility, which led me to think about, like, all of the boyfriends I had growing up because I was, like, a massive serial dater and how I was just, like, not compatible with them. And it was literally, like, just to have a boyfriend. And had I, like, thought about, like, am I actually compatible? Because I do think that, like, at least for me, I would either date a guy because I was, like, so excited about it like I I thought he was like the drama like really the chase that whole thing or because he was nice to me and it just like seemed like a good healthy thing and it was almost like I needed to find like a mix of both where it was like both exciting but also like somebody who treated me well and was like going to be a good fit and like I don't think that that's too much to ask for because I think that's just finding somebody who you're going to be compatible with and like yeah it's hard but like through dating all of the horrible people that you will inevitably date you're just like learning more about yourself and learning more about what's going to be good for you to get you to the place where you find somebody who you'll be compatible with mm-hmm. that's so true even with like friendships and stuff yeah. there's been like friends where like they're so nice to me and like we get along but like I'm bored and I'm like this is not fun for me and then there are friends that you're just like excited to be around it works so well you're like oh my god like within like two times of hanging out you're like yeah. you're my best friend in the entire <laughs> world <laughs> And I think it's just, like, you need to find that, like, perfect, like, mixture of, like, not only compatibility, I can't even speak, compatibility, but, like, just, like, the excitement and the same interests and, like, I don't know, it's just, like, there's so many different factors to it, and it's, like, I don't want to, you know, waste my time with someone who isn't giving me those things, 
But at the same time, if I'm fooled by it and the excitement of it, like I'll waste fucking three years of my life. (laughs) Yeah. Can I ask what your star signs are? I'm a Cancer. Love that. I'm a Gemini. Oh, I knew it. (laughs) No, tell me how you knew. I don't know. I just felt it. What are you? I'm a Taurus, but I am on the cusp of Aries Taurus, so I'm more Taurus than Aries. I'm just, I'm a Taurus cocktail with a little bit of Aries sprinkle. Mm, mm, I love that. That's nice. Well, Geminis get bad reps, but I feel like Taurus does too, doesn't it? I've never heard that. <laughs> oh, is that like, that's I, think a- Aries, I think Aries gets a bad rap. Oh, I hear that all the time. Yeah. Aries and Gemini and Scorpios get the worst reps. I thought I heard someone say, like, never trust a Taurus man. Oh, well, the men are different. Okay? Yeah, that's yeah, true. <laughs> Scorpios, like, all my friends end up being Scorpios, but anytime I've dated a Scorpio, it never ends well. I can't I, date a Pisces man. Really? Why? We're just so different. And it's so funny, too, because, like, I don't know, I feel like your stuff gets curated on, like, what you Google, but, like... I think I came across something on Instagram and it was like Gemini, like tag like the worst partner you've ever had or like write the worst partner you've ever had. And all these Gemini women are like Pisces, Pisces, Pisces. And I was like, yeah, Pisces. (laughs) I can't deal. I used like my dad's an Aquarius and we get along so well. But every time I've like hung out with an Aquarius guy, I'm like, get the fuck away from me. Are they supposed to be like more chill? Or... They're just kind of aloof and they do their own thing. They're yeah. just like, to me, they're the most selfish sign. Yeah. No, actually, Aries are least. I don't vibe with Aries men that well. Yeah. The toxic guy was an Aries. <laughs> there you go. Okay. It's the ego on, on uh, Aries men. That's what gets me. Oh, yeah. It's so bad. It's literally the worst. But Chloe, how interesting of you to pose the question, is the problem me? Because our letter writer happens to be asking the same exact question. She does. And that's a great transition, Lauren. (laughs) (laughs) Dear damsels, I've dated a lot of guys that would vanish all of a sudden. We would have amazing romantic dates, get along great. We have tons of things in common, same values, etc. And I'm thinking, okay, this is good. We're going in the right direction. And all of a sudden they vanish. What happened? Is it me? It must be me. Do you have answers to this phenomenon? Sincerely, is the problem me? Answer is, it's not you. It's the way that you're communicating. You are Mm -hmm. too available. You need to leave them on red for 24 hours at a time. Like, just randomly, like, be responding. Like, kind of like the way that they fucking treat us. Like, respond a bunch. And then you can read the response and then just not respond. And don't apologize for not responding. Just respond like you normally would. And then they're like, oh, where is she? Like, you just can't, you can't respond or pick up every phone call. You can't do that. If you are too available to them, they'll get bored really, really fast. See, that's usually easy for me, except for when I really like someone. But then at that point, it's funny, I saw this TikTok the other day and this girl got a Snapchat and she had like an Excel document of like, what she's going to do every day to ghost this guy. She's like, she's like, don't respond for six hours, do this. And then like, she has like repeat like two, like twice a day or something like that. But like, I do call, like, if I like someone and I'm excited to see their texts, cause we've all been there. I am very cognizant about like how long it took them to respond to me, how much effort mm-hmm. they're putting into this. It's too obvious when you calculate it like that. Like- I mean, it is. And that's why it never works out for me when I really like someone, <laughs> but <laughs> thing is that like you have to you know you know how like when you don't like a guy mm-hmm. for some reason they're obsessed with you yep. because there's that that energy that you're putting out you're like I don't care like you can come you can leave I don't care you have to have that even if you like a guy it's yeah so- oh, that's my biggest dating tip I yeah. love that yeah you can't you can't care you have to like just respond when you feel like it if you really like in the moment have something funny to say write it in your notes and then you can like literally the more time you take to respond, not only will it make them more interested in you, but you'll respond with the perfect text because you'll have waited. It would have been on your mind. Then you're like, oh, that's exactly how I'll respond to it. It works like a charm. It's insane. Like the guy that I wasn't into, like he was cute and like what we had fun, but like I would forget to like text him back and he would bring it up all the time. He was like, yeah, you always forget to respond to me. And I'm like, oh yeah, sorry. Like, it, it's just like, 
whatever and then that just like made them more interested yeah but, like you're just like immediately or like they let's say waited three minutes and then you wait three minutes like it's too obvious Lauren did yeah. you I feel like you had more to say <laughs> no I just like this letter a lot personally one I think it's that I'm like sick of talking about the dating apps and this is something that I heavily relate to so uh it just felt good to get this letter um no I just totally agree like being hard to get is the number one best thing that you can be doing because like like you said, treat men like the way they treat us. Um, and I have definitely been overly obsessed in the past and it never ended well for me. I mean, yeah, guys, but like, <laughs> I say this all the time. I agree with all this advice and it's very easy in the beginning, but it sounds like this girl has like, she goes on dates and it's like progressing well. And you have to admit it's different to see your phone light up with someone that you're like, have been on a few dates with and are vibing with. Because I have 10 million hobbies and 10 million things going on, but, like, a man will still come in and fuck up my day, like, every now and then. If oh, I yeah. For yeah. Sure. yeah. If I get a text from him and I'm obsessed with him, it'll make my day go from a 7 to an 11. You know? <laughs> like, like brain is, like, down the spectrum. <laughs> you were, like, cranky, like, all morning, and then you're, yeah. like, oh, never mind, I'm in a great mood. And your roommates are, like, what's happening? <laughs> Literally. But... It's being able to control the way you respond. It's also like be super fun on the dates. Be yourself. Clearly, you're great on dates since they come back out on dates. The thing that you're messing up on, the person in this letter is clearly talking about like the stuff that's happening outside. You're liking every Instagram post. You're watching their stories too fast. How about you don't watch their stories for a day? Mm -hmm. See what that does. Because I have a lot of guy friends, like single, straight men. Guy, guy friends and they're the same as us so they will freak out if their crush doesn't like their story they will freak out if you don't respond right away let them freak out let them yeah. like realize that they like you because mm-hmm. if you're too like if you're always there for them they're not even going to know that they like you even if you know that they're perfect for you it's just not going to work out that way yeah and if you're psycho like me and their Instagram is pri- is public, you can get on Stories IG to watch. So you can see what the content is without showing She them. got that tip from Dana. Thank I you, Dana. I got that from Dana. Wait, wait, wait. What is it? Stories IG watch? Don't even you know she Just get on Google and say, watch Stories Anonymously. And you've got a whole plethora of ways to view stories. <laughs> Perfect. Do that. And, like, pretend that you're never on your phone. And, like, I started actually, because I was, like, too obsessed with my phone when quarantine started. I will go, I will leave my house without my phone all the time. Mm-hmm. Unless I'm meeting up with people and, like, need to be like, hey, I'm here, where are you? Like, I don't leave the house with my phone. Because it's, like, I'm always on it. It's always there. And then if someone needs to text me, they can text me and I'll respond when I can. Like, my the my friend Gabby is so fun, but she's bad at texting. But it doesn't matter because she's so fun, you know? So she'll put her phone in her bag and, like, won't look at it for hours and then look at it and, like, respond to some people and then put it back. Like, it's, like, be casual with your phone. I think changing the way that you have a relationship with your phone will change the way that you have relationships with other people. And I think that that's a big way. That's good advice. And I I go back and forth and be interested to hear your guys' thoughts, like, there's also that advice of like, don't put all your eggs in one basket. And if you really like someone, like try to talk to other people that never really works for me because it's like, I feel like I'm forcing myself to talk to these guys on dating apps where I'm just like not having the best connection with them. But like, I would say like the advice still stands to like busy your life and like have other priorities. Like you don't have to talk to 10 different men to get your mind off of one, but like do other stuff with your life and like with your days as if they like weren't a big part of it. But if you do have 10 different men, good for you. Because even lots of balance. Even have two guys. Just have like something um, that you have a lot of attention towards as well. So that you're not, the thing is you don't want to put them in that opportunity to like leave you and then crush you. Mm-hmm. That should only be the privilege of a boyfriend. <laughs> and so until that they're there, like don't let them be a top five priority in your life. Mm-hmm. because you're not that there for them and so what's the point you know like you're just you're hurting yourself with that and it's like your life was fine before like remember that and it's gonna be fine if they leave too and remember how every guy sucks <laughs> i know i just got this book. 
I know. I just got this book. It, I saw it on TikTok. It was like how to date men when you hate men. And I was like, <laughs> need to purchase. <laughs> it's really, it's like, I, even my guy friends, like I'm mad at two of my guy friends right now. And I'm going to be honest with you. Neither of them know that I'm mad at them because they truly, they both did such fucked up things that I'm like, I'm going to give them time to realize that I'm not responding to them. And neither of them noticed that I'm not responding to them. They're just, they're, they don't get it. It's just so hard. The story of my relationship is that my boyfriend can never figure out when I'm mad at him. So then I'm like sitting there acting mad for like 30 minutes until I have to then tell him that I'm mad. Yeah. Yeah. That's, they just don't like you. We can't treat men like they're women because women are so fucking smart and intuitive. Like you can pick up a glass and a woman would be like, what's wrong? what the fuck is wrong but if a man like if you're with a man and you're literally like pouting in front of him like he'll be like oh there's something on your face like he won't even notice you know you know at the same time like work on yourself Mm -hmm. you know realize like what you bring to the table and your own issues because like I had to realize that like I was a little bit toxic sometimes too when I would subtweet to piss people off you know like I was I was that person and it's fine um and you know learn your strengths and your weaknesses, learn your triggers because then it's going to be easier to control them, but also change the way you have a relationship with your phone because it's really going to wait, change the way you date. That's great advice. I feel like it wrapped yeah. it up perfectly. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Well, Lily, it was awesome having you. Do you want to tell people where they can find you? Yeah, you can follow me at Lil's Michelle, L-I-L-S Michelle. And my podcast is called Sad Tits. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you guys for having me. This was so fun. That was just a fun conversation. I told you you were going to feel better after we did this. And do you feel better? Yes, we love Lily. I do yes. feel better. And you were right because it is nice. I mean, first of all, it's just nice getting on to talk to you every week. And then when we have someone that is like contributes such a good vibe to the conversation, it's very nice. Go check out Lily's Twitter, guys. She's amazing. Go check out mine if you want some good content every few weeks. And don't check out mine, but write us the damn letters. All right, guys. Well, thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next week. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.